All right, everyone, we are back in our series of how to choose the right financial advisor for you. And today, what Raiden and I are talking about are mistakes to avoid when choosing a financial advisor. There's eight of them that we've come up with, and they're just things that you want to think about as you're sitting down and talking with an advisor, questions you may want to ask, um, and then just just thoughts we're throwing your way. Yeah, and uh, I remind this uh, a number of times to go to our website, which is pomwealth.net. Go to the blog page, and you will find an article based on this very topic that we're talking about today, because we're going to go through eight mistakes uh, to avoid when choosing a financial advisor. And you might go, well, those are good points. And I want to make sure I got all of them. Well, you can go get them in writing uh, there on our website. So uh, go check that out. Also, wherever you are listening to us, if you would follow us or subscribe to us. And that way you'll get all of the episodes as soon as they come out. And, uh, and uh, we find so many people that feel that that's uh, beneficial. So if you want to Make sure you get it, then make sure you do that. But before we get into our episode, we need to do a quick disclosure. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only, not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to our Retirement in Action. And we are continuing our little series that we've been doing where we uh, talk about how to choose the right financial advisor. We uh, know that that can be um, a, a stressful situation. And so we wanted to kind of hit some different topics. Today, what we're going to really do is we're going to say, what are some of the mistakes? In fact, we're going to go through eight mistakes to avoid when choosing a financial advisor. So instead of saying, what are all the right things? We're going to say, what are some mistakes? And we put together a list of eight of those. And we're just going to take them and go down that list. And we hope this will be helpful. I do want to just remind you, as we're going through the list, uh, we will have a blog article written on this, so don't feel like you've got to stress out and take a bunch of notes. You'll be able to go get this all written on our blog page there at pomwealth.net. So let's start with mistake number one, Merce. All right, mistake number one, working with an advisor without a written contract. Uh, we think this is pretty important. Um, a written contract isn't necessarily something that is going to be binding or anything like that. It's, it pretty much just lays out what we call the scope of service, which is explaining, hey, what is this relationship going to be? What are the fees involved with this relationship? What are the potential conflicts of interest? Um, and then really, it's a, it's a way to understand expectations. Um, as an advisor, you're going to expect the advisor to do certain things. If they're an investment advisor, you're going to expect them to be managing the account for you in your best interest. You're going to expect them to be 
in a position to sit down with you on a quarterly or semi-annually or an annually basis uh, to go over the account with you, do account reviews and reporting so, you, so that you can actually know how the account is doing. Um, and then all these other little things that come with it. But also there are, from, a, from an advisor perspective, there's also uh, client expectations. Um, and so we, we, when it's written down, it's so much easier, so much cleaner. Everyone starts on such a, a very good understanding as to how this relationship is going to work when you do enter into it. It's not required as an advisor to have a written contract. If you're working with someone that sells insurance only, um, they are not required to use a contract. Uh, I'll tell you, Raiden and I, because of our licensing, because of how we are set up, we are required to have what's called an investment advisory agreement when any client works with us, and we do utilize that, and we we enjoy utilizing that. It makes the beginning of the relationship very clear and open and honest and transparent. So if you're working with someone that doesn't have one or you ask for a written contract and they say, well, we don't really use one, I would just be wary of that. Yeah, and I just want to add on that binding thing. It is binding from the advisor side to abide by that agreement or that contract. What it, the way the contract should be written, though, is that at any point that you want to fire or get away from the advisor, you're not bound to have to stay in the contract. So uh, just keep that in mind. Mistake number two, working with an advisor that does not have a permanent office. Now, you might think, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, to us and in our mind, and what we've seen is, is where we hear the most about when somebody gets money embezzled or whatever, it's usually someone who's working an area, working in a certain thing, and then they don't really have anywhere or that they're, because they're trying to be incognito, you might say, of, of getting this money embezzled. Um, and so if, you, if they're coming to your house and they're coming because they don't have an office, that's probably not the best uh, scenario. Uh, again, they could come to your house. That part would be okay. But if they're, if they're not you know, having a place that they actually operate their business regularly, that can be an issue. The other one that I'll bring up is they have a, one of those places that you can kind of rent an office space for by the hour. You know, that's not a permanent office. They might meet with you there, but really what's saying that they're stable and that they are in business to stay in business. So just keep that in mind that, you know, that maybe it's not a reason that you should absolutely not take the advisor, but at least that should raise some caution and you might want to do some more research. All right. Mistake number three, working with an insurance only advisor. Um, and there, there's a couple of things to think about here. Um, first of all, if you're working with an insurance only advisor, that means they're licensed to do what? To sell insurance products only. And so they can't really give you any, any market type of advice. Uh, they can only tell you what they are aware of, which is the insurance world. And by the nature of that, they're only going to be able to offer you insurance products. Insurance products typically are going to pay a commission. And we've been over how, how advisors get paid in the previous podcast. And uh, if you're in a, in, a work, in a relationship with someone who only earns based on the product that they sell a commission, well, it just kind of makes you think a little bit, is this, is this product right for me because it makes sense for me in my whole situation? Or is it being perceived as right for me because the advisor is receiving a commission off of it. Um, we've talked heavily about the fiduciary and suitability standard. Uh, Raiden and I, we are held to a fiduciary standard. And so, and that comes with licensing. Um, we are CFPs. We're also series 65 through FINRA. And that holds us by law to a fiduciary standard, which means we need to hold your interest ahead of ours. 
And insurance-only advisor is typically going to be held to a suitability standard where it basically says, well, as long as it's close enough, then the product is good enough and that, that can warrant why the advisor can sell it to you. Um, and so it's just something to think about when they only have one thing to sell, is that going to be the right thing for you? Uh, and you know, and what we believe is that you want to work with someone who has multiple options in all the different areas when it comes to retirement planning. All right. That brings us to mistake number four, which is working with a stock market only advisor. It goes right in hand in hand with what Merce was just saying. If the person only says the only place to invest your money is in the market, the stock market, well, that's probably not going to handle all of your retirement needs. There is a place for insurance type products. We believe there's a place, especially when it comes to uh, providing a uh, guaranteed income stream that, you know, sometimes insurance gives us a really, really good option in that area. But again, we don't want somebody who's just one thing. So if the person's telling you no matter what, don't ever use an insurance product because the stock market is by far the best. Well, that's, that could be too much risk for you. So out of those two mistakes, three and four, just try to go with a look for an advisor that has both types of practices. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. All right. Mistake number five, working with an advisor who tries to sell you on the first appointment. Um, I will tell you up front, Rain and I, we would never try to sell someone on the first appointment and we don't sell. Um, we educate and we, and sometimes that takes two to three to four or five meetings, really at the end of the day, we're willing to spend as much time with someone. And I think our clients will attest to this is that we, we want to get to know the person. We want to get to understand their goals. We want to run through some illustrations, some examples of what retirement's going to look like for them before we even start the, the idea of making a recommendation as to, hey, should we use an insurance product here? Should we have some money in the stock market? So that in itself is several different conversations before we even get to the, the part where the client's actually going to sign up with us. Um, and so if you have an advisor that's trying to immediately sell you on the first visit, typically a first visit is about 45 minutes for any advisor. Could be a little bit shorter, could be a little bit longer. Then in our opinion, that is just not enough time to get to know someone, to get to know their situation, to get to know their goals and objectives, and then also to make a re recommendation and make sure that the client actually understands what that recommendation is. You just can't do it in one appointment. So if you have someone that's getting eager, eager about convincing you or selling you on something, a product or a concept in the first visit and asking you to sign that day, be very, very careful about that. All right. Number six, mistake number six, believing the too good to be true story. Um, you know, we see this in a couple different ways. Let, let's go to the stock market only advisor. Sometimes they might say, hey, look, I always make money. I've never, I've never lost money. Well, that's, that starts to be the too good to be true story because there's just market fluctuations and you have to make sure you're like, well, wait a minute, there's no investment that's in the stock market that from time to time couldn't be down. 
Well, um, go to the uh, insurance side. Uh, insurance, especially over in the fixed arena, if it's a fixed insurance product, uses what are called illustrations. In those illustrations, they can go and say, hey, here's kind of like the most uh, best 10-year period. And uh, if an advisor focuses there or doesn't show you the, the guaranteed side, and, you, and you're looking at this illustration and they say, yeah, look, this product's going to earn 8, 9, 10% average for the next 10 years. Well, that, that's, that gets us in for right now. That's the too good to be true story. We need to understand what, well, what's more reasonable in this. Is it possible that it could make that 8, 9, 10? Yeah, it's possible. But an illustration is just simply that. It's an illustration. So don't just take those stories and just because you want it to be true uh, and that advisor is not being, you know, showing you both sides of the situation or the what ifs, what if it doesn't do these things, um, you, you just be leery on that. Don't, don't, don't accept that too good to be true story. All right. Mistake number seven, doing it all yourself. Now, this statement is it can go either way. Um, and it, it's, it's not necessarily saying that it's wrong to do it all yourself. You just got to be aware of what type of commitment you're making if you're doing it all yourself. Um, because usually you are working, you're earning, you're doing whatever you are to be able to create this wealth that you're accumulating. And so if you decide that you also want to manage all of this yourself, that's completely fine. Just understand it's, it's quite a big undertaking. It's a little bit more than just picking a couple of stocks or picking a few mutual funds in your 401k. Uh, Raiden and I, we do this every single day. Um, and so we, and I've been with Raiden for a little bit over 10 years now. Raiden's been doing this for over 20 years now. And I'll tell you, even with us as considered as experts in the business, we're still learning pieces of information every single day. It's a it's a, an environment that is constantly evolving. If you think about it, I mean, the tax code is always up for grabs. Uh, different products are always around. Different investment options are always being created. So if you're going to say, I'm going to do this myself and do it properly, you really, really have to devote time to it. And that's why a lot of people say, well, I don't think I can do this. I can't do this properly and also manage my job and also manage my family all at the same time. And that's where we believe that a financial advisor fits into place, just like when you hire your CPA to do your taxes, or even you hire the plumber to come in and fix whatever is going on at your house. You could do it yourself, but if it's not something that you have a passion for, if it's not something that you have the time for, more importantly, then hire it out. And at the end of the day, it'll take a ton of stress off of your plate and let you focus on what really matters, which is your career and your family. All right, our final one, mistake number eight picking your advisor based on their fee. Uh, this one is like, you know, you get what you pay for kind of statement. So you have an advisor or you're interviewing a couple of different advisors and you're trying to pick which one you're going to go with. And one has a really low fee and the other one has a higher fee. And you're thinking, oh, I want to go with the guy with the lower fee, the, the firm with the lower fee. Well, you need to look at what you're getting. And if what you're getting fits your, your need, then that's okay. But that lower fee might just be only just to manage some funds for you. Or maybe they're putting you in other things that have higher fees in those things, like mutual funds. And so your overall fee is, is, is high, but they're just, they're just helping you with that little part. Well, do they help you with all the other things? Or do they charge you more fees if you need help with those things? And maybe it's by the hour or flat rate. 
Or what if the higher fee advisor is providing things like um, uh, tax planning, tax strategy, estate strategy, estate planning strategies, income planning? Are they helping you throughout the year make sure that you're pulling your money from the right accounts? Do they help you with things like Social Security, Medicare? Do they help you with things like long-term care? Um, you know, are they helping you plan all those different aspects? Because now all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, maybe the fee's a little bit higher over here, but I'm getting a tremendous amount of support. In fact, I'm taking all of my worries off of my plate. Uh, the other scenario is, what if, if the low fee advisor, what, how do they manage money? What if the one person who's charging you a very low fee though, shows you that, hey, maybe in 2008, they lost 30% of their, of their portfolio value. And the advisor who's a little bit higher fee lost very little in 2008. I use that because that's such a down year. Well, now you might say, wait a minute, I'd rather pay the higher fee to get protection. Maybe they're more active in the way they manage the portfolio. And so therefore they protect. So when you're looking at fees, ask yourself, if a person has a really low fee, why is it low? Um, and if the person has a higher fee, ask, why is it higher than this person? And then weigh that out and say, well, which one of these is going to give me the overall best, most value between the two? So we hope that this has been helpful. Eight mistakes to avoid when choosing a financial advisor or a financial planner. And um, again, make sure you go to the website, pomwealth.net. Uh, you can go to the blog page. You'll have an article right on this, has all eight of them listed there for you. So that way you can just make sure you take it with you. You can even print it out and take it with you if you're ever uh, interviewing or talking with a financial advisor and trying to figure out which one you're going to hire. But we hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.